Good evening and welcome to the Vermeng podcast with me, your host, David Kennedy and Axel Galinda. This is the show where we discuss the week's biggest geopolitical stories. And this week we have the Colombian protests. We have the colonial pipeline cyber attack in Alabama and we have the clashes in Jerusalem. I'll hand over to Axel to discuss the Colombian protests. Thank you, David. On uh, April 28th, protests start in Colombia due to opposition to new tax reform enacted by Finance Minister Carasquilla on uh, April 15th. The protests were targeting this specific reform, which consists in a tax overhaul, which uh, will uh, lower the threshold at which salaries are taxed exactly at uh, $684. That means that a wider amount of people will be hit by tax increases. And uh, given the current context of uh, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, this spark uh, immediate uh, response by trade unions and middle class members and also indigenous groups. The protest are in Bogota, the capital of Colombia, and uh, soon became uh, violence. The po police mil responded with uh, uh, increasing levels of violence and uh, killed uh, around uh, 26 people. However, protests also erupted in other cities of the country, such as Cali, where uh, in particular indigenous groups uh, such as the Consejo Regional Indígena de Cauca launched a political offensive against the government forces. The protests demonstrated the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, in the country. Colombia had three has 3 million uh, COVID-19 cases so far uh, with uh, around 77,000 deaths. Therefore, uh, this prompted the resignation of the finance minister and other cabinet members and uh, will have lasting impact in the country's domestic politics. Thanks, Axel. Um, we know that Latin America has been hit disproportionately hard um, in terms of the COVID pandemic. What do you think these protests say about the political fallout from the pandemic in Colombia, but also in the wider region? If we see these protests from a domestic standpoint, uh, Colombia is facing a difficult uh, time. President Duque will uh, uh, not run for election in 2022, uh, in 2022, but his center-right party will definitely face increasing uh, unpopularity in the aftermath of such protests. We should remind the protests also occurring in uh, 2019, and uh, Duque growingly lost credibility with uh, other inter-domestic stakeholders at the political level. Colombia is also facing uh, armed uh, insurgencies, especially related to the groups of Ejército de Liberación Nacional, ELN, and uh, the remnants of the FARC, which participate in the country's civil war uh, in the second half of the 20th century. The northern border with Venezuela is unstable, and the security situation is volatile. The Urban protests that took place in the last weeks uh, 
will have an impact on uh, the whole country's security situation and therefore uh, escalations, harm, violence could uh, uh, grow and surge and uh, external stakeholders must, must pay attention. If we see that from a regional perspective, however, Colombia is the epitome of Latin America when it comes to the COVID-19 crisis. Bogota is one of the epicenters of the regions in terms of cases and, uh, and numbers of deaths. But uh, the situation uh, compared to other countries of Latin America, such as Mexico or Brazil, is similar because social protests, inequalities, and uh, levels, levels of poly police and government violence will increase in terms of uh, political repression. Uh, and uh, we can expect uh, further tax reforms uh, by other Latin American governments, uh, which, however, will handle situations more carefully after uh, this display of violence uh, in uh, the country. Now moving on to the colonial pipeline cyber attack. Last Friday, the main fuel supply line for the East Coast uh, in uh, Alabama, the colonial pipeline uh, shut down uh, due to a ransomware attack. The pipeline uh, covers 45% of supply of the region uh, and uh, it's worth uh, 2.5 million barrels of refined gas, gasoline. According uh, to federal agencies, which uh, covered the which uh, have started investigating the attacks, uh, in particular the Energy Department and uh, the Critical Infrastructure Security Agency (CISA), the attack is not linked to a geopolitically related cyber group, but purely a cyber crime event. However. The effects, uh, according to several analysts, uh, are to see regarding uh, oil prices, fuel prices in particular, and uh, the disruptions uh, on uh, the energy demand, which, uh, however, according uh, to several outlets, uh, could be limited due to the current situation related to the pandemic developments. Uh, What do you think this cyber attack says about the particular vulnerability of critical critical infrastructure to increasing cyber attacks? The immediate response by the Biden administration uh, respect to cyber attack fully demonstrates uh, the extent of the emergency that the um, colonial pipeline cyber attack uh, uh, had on uh, the US administration. That's because critical infrastructure is something that states, governments cannot afford to lose and also to not pay attention to. Critical infrastructure, especially when it comes to energy supply, is fundamental for the state's functioning and well-being. And if it, through geopolitical means, that could be something dangerous to consider. The case of the colonial pipeline attack uh, allegedly, according to federal agencies such as the FBI and CSA, the attackers uh, were belonging to the dark side extortion uh, group, uh, which mainly leverages leverages uh, ransomware uh, in order to uh, extort money. However, should this happen uh, for uh, purely geopolitical reasons, uh, this could have uh, a wider effect. 
an analyst preempt that these kind of attacks will occur more and more in the next years. Therefore, uh, this is a very significant event. Uh, it's the biggest uh, cyber attack on uh, oil supply in the United States ever. And at the same time, it's a stark reminder of uh, future things to come uh, when it comes to cyber warfare. Indeed. And uh, I know here in the UK, we saw a cyber attack in the on the health service, National Health Service, uh, a few years ago. So definitely a growing trend. Now, the final issue today, we'll be discussing the clashes in Jerusalem. Over the last few weeks, uh, tensions have mounted in uh, Jerusalem, uh, in particular over the question of the eviction uh, of uh, Palestinian Ar uh, Arabs uh, from uh, the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood. It's a dispute which uh, is lasting, uh, has been lasting for around 15 years but erupted over uh, increased tensions due to the right-wing Zionist request to evict them from the area. The point uh, of the dispute is land plots, uh, which is one of the main uh, uh, questions for the whole uh, Jerusalem city. However, the Nationalist March in uh, East Jerusalem was also uh, due to the commemoration uh, of uh, the 1967 Six-Day War uh, in, uh, in regards to the conquest uh, of uh, such area, which also belongs to Muslim communities. Therefore, tensions were uh, set to come uh, and uh, more than uh, 300 protesters uh, or in uh, further clashes that uh, erupted in the Laksa Mosque, one uh, of the holy shrines of the Islamic world, uh, injured more than 300 Palestinian protesters. In response, Hamas uh, launched rocket attacks on uh, Israel, targeting Israeli settlements, uh, and uh, the Israeli Air Force uh, launched airstrikes uh, on uh, the Gaza Strip, uh, which uh, allegedly killed uh, nine Palestinian uh, uh, civilians. It's a uh, complicated situation for the Netanyahu administration and also for uh, the Palestinian Authority President Abbas, which uh, uh, demonstrates uh, the highly volatile scenario that uh, the Israel-Palestine question could uh, uh, take uh, in the next uh, months and years as well. There's obviously been a lot of clashes um, in recent years and decades actually. Um, in this region. Do you think the latest clashes in Jerusalem represent a break from the past or simply more of what we've seen before? According to several analysts, uh, uh, this is a sign of a third intifada to come. However, if we go beyond mere, uh, the mere uh, Israeli-Palestinian dispute, uh, it's also significant to note the weakness of conventional uh, parties, both in the Israeli and Palestinian political scenarios, uh, given the ongoing situation. We could also say that the pandemic to some extent has impacted uh, the social tensions uh, as in other places worldwide and uh, external pressures on the Israeli government, uh, in particular by the United Nations, uh, Rights Office, which called Israel to stop forced evictions uh, dubbed as war crimes, uh, 
but also hamper um, dialogue uh, between uh, Zionists and uh, more moderate parties which are willing to negotiate with the Palestinians. Therefore, uh, calls for restraint by the you know, US State Department and other stakeholders could be not heard uh, and uh, tensions could grow further in the next weeks and months. Uh, it's also interesting to note uh, that Turkey condemned uh, the Israeli airstrikes as a terrorist act uh, in the context of uh, diplomatic rapprochement between the two countries. Uh, we see that through the geopolitical lens uh, of the Eastern Mediterranean, uh, Turkey uh, was trying to some extent to get closer to Israel, even though Israel itself accused Turkey to um, send a genre provocateur in uh, the Palestinian West Bank and Gaza Strip, uh, in order to um, spark protests against Israel. Therefore, uh, these protests come uh, in a change in Middle East, uh, which uh, is definitely a different context than, uh, for example, the 2014 military uh, operation against Gaza and uh, beforehand as well. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks again, Axel Galenda, for joining me, David Kennedy, on the Vermeng podcast. Join us again next week to discuss the big geopolitical issues because information matters. Mm-hmm.